Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 82 of Ghostbusters. Brady, how are you doing today on a Wednesday afternoon or morning? Doing good, but I'm telling you, man, it's it's getting bittersweet because our heroes are actually ascending to... You know, where this whole finale is going to They are happen. climbing Mount Olympus, as yeah. if to say to Zeus himself, Zeus, you ain't no god. Isn't it funny that, like, so many movies, uh, I guess action movies, they, they their finale is high up. Yeah. It's at the top of a building or the top of a mountain or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 a trope in storytelling. You know, Moses has to climb the mountain to, was that Moses? Yeah, Moses to go talk yeah. to God to get the Ten Commandments. Uh, the mountain you can see all throughout uh, uh, different mythology uh, stories is, um, you know, like Shankara climbs the mountain to get the stones from Kali or, you know, not Kali, Shiba, whoever it was. It's Anyway, it's uh, Mount Fuji. Uh, in Japan, you have to climb Mount Fuji to do your, you know, a pilgrimage or whatever. Uh, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the entire thing takes place. You know, when the the, the aliens come down their spaceship at the top of like Double's Peak or whatever. It just seems like it ups the stakes. Yeah, you know, and um, so I'm a big James Bond fan, and I think one of the best finales to any of the James Bond movies is Goldeneye. And I mean, they're dangling on that little thing high off the ground, and it's yeah. like there's nowhere to go. So it just really ups the stakes between your hero, the villain, or whatever your people are doing up there. Yeah, yeah. It definitely raises the the action to a new height, literally and figuratively. But uh, yeah, so the Ghostbusters is no exception, though. They're about to to climb up to the top of 55 Central Park West and uh, have a big showdown with Gozer. So, And I think Ghostbusters actually does a really good example of that kind of trope and storytelling, the, the climbing up to you know be at one with the gods. Yeah, and you know, of all of these uh, locations that we're talking about, be it like you know the Ten Commandments or Goldeneye or something like that, I've never seen one of these uh, final showdowns take place high up on such a beautiful like set piece yeah or or anything i mean the production design in this entire finale gozer's uh you know the i don't know the top of the building and then leading into gozer's uh realm and all that is just so beautifully done yeah yeah it's very cool and uh you know we talked earlier when the refrigerator opens and you can see into gozer's realm there you know the pyramid and everything everything is so yeah looks like we got the ghostbusters driving there behind us going to bust a ghost yeah uh the, the um uh, you're looking into the refrigerator and you're like, what is going on here? And we get another peek into a minute into the, uh, man, that is a five alarm haunting, isn't yeah, it? Right. Fire station <laughs> right around the corner. <laughs> all right, man. Well, you're ready to go ahead and get into minute number 81. Let's do it. Well, now that all the alarms behind us are passing, we can go ahead and talk about that in the previous minute. We saw the Ghostbusters climb out of a hole in the ground, play to the crowd and disappear into 55 Central Park West. At minute number 82, we see the crowd cheer on the Ghostbusters who have just now completely disappeared into 55 Central Park West. At 82.04, we cut to a low angle shot. Uh, I mean, very, very low angle shot of a very, very tall staircase. At 82.14, all four Ghostbusters stop in the middle of a flight of stairs. Everyone is panting and out of breath. Venkman asks Ray where they are. Ray responds, it looks like they're somewhere in the teens. Venkman says to Ray, tell me when we're on 20 because I'm going to throw up. At 82.29, we cut to a shot of the altar of Gozer, top 55 Central Park West. The sky is dark and Dana is laying on the altar across Lewis Tully's lap. Dana is still possessed by Zool at this point. She sits straight up and stretches. At 82.39, Dana starts to slide off the altar as lightning strikes around her. Lewis Tully, still possessed by Vince Glortho, sits up and with a goofy smile on his face, looks up at the top of the building. Lewis's pants are undone. At 82.47, we cut to a shot of the roof cap of the building, which now has a mysterious blue light glowing from within. Lightning strikes the building, and the sky has turned blood red. At 82.51, we cut to another shot of Lewis and Dana, 
sliding off of the altar. They are mesmerized by the lightning. Central Park can be seen in the background. At 8254, we cut to a wide shot of the top of 55 Central Park West. Dana and Lewis are moving to separate sides of the building. At 8257, we cut to a shot of the Ghostbusters arriving on the 22nd floor. Ray asks if this is the floor. And thus ends minute number 82 of Ghostbusters. So, a lot going on. A lot going on. A lot of uh, non it's, it's It's a pretty dialogue-free moment or minute. Uh, there's a really funny joke how we cut from them, you know, in the previous minute, they put their hands on top of each other, like, one, two, three, break, or Ghostbusters, or whatever, yeah. and they charge inside the building, and the, the group outside is like, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, and you immediately cut to them panting on, like, 13th floor, That's just like... <laughs> such a classic Ghostbusters moment, because you have this big heroic moment, and, you know, hey, we're gonna go do it, and defeat the bad guys, and everything like that, and then it cuts to, I mean, everything from the, the goofiness of the camera angle, to the music, to the fact that these guys are just worn out. You know, and the heroism is undercut by the reality of the situation. That's yeah. right. Now, the apparently the staircase uh, that you're seeing only went up about one or two more floors, and everything above that was a matte painting, hmm. um, which is you know amazingly done. But uh, and just the jokes from like, okay, tell me when we're going to be at twenty because I'm going to throw up. Yeah, all of that's just classic Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, it's it's very funny, very funny stuff from Venkman there. So, what do you think about all the shots of Lewis and uh, Dana on top of the building? Because yeah. there's really no dialogue between the two of them. There's not, and it's all beautifully shot and edited and scored and yeah. acted. Uh, Lewis's grin when he's sliding off the altar because you know we all know what happened. Yeah, uh, is hilarious because he finally got it. Now, a friend of mine has a theory that Oscar. Dana's baby in Ghostbusters 2 is actually the child that was conceived there. Your friend is wrong because the gestation period between five Ghostbusters years. would have to be five and years. And I pointed so. that out to him and he had some kind of angle on like, well, you know, because it's like a demon baby, maybe it would last that much longer. And I'm like, you know, the <sighs> mental gymnastics you have to do sometimes exactly. to make fan theories work is something else. I, you know, I really applaud his creativity. It's a cool idea. It's a fun idea. But no, I'm sorry. Given the period of time between Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 1, it's, it, or Ghostbusters 2, it's possible that the child is the, uh, you know, bassist from the Philharmonic yes, or something. Yes, and that's yeah. what uh, Harold Ramis has said that he thinks is the father, is the, uh, the violinist, or whoever that guy was. Am I remembering it wrong that in Ghostbusters 2, Venkman says something to her, like the dad left to go play with another orchestra somewhere? I can't remember. Okay, I might be completely making that up. I guess at some point in the future, we'll have to watch Ghostbusters 2 and uh, figure out if that line is in it, or if I'm just, you know, superimposing that myself. So, it's your own inner writer writing, you know, and adding this stuff that yeah. you remember wrong. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I love the the top of 55 Central Park West. Now, we do get a few shots earlier when Vince Clortho and Zool uh, become alive, so to speak, and break out of their shells uh, and, and run around. We, we, we do get some shots of the Altar of Gozer. Uh, but I want to take a minute to talk about the set design there. You've got the altar that's overlooking 55 Central Park West. You have obelisks on each side. And then behind them is like, I don't know if it's a big bass relief or the big bronze uh, pictogram on the building. The doors that will open up later into Gozer's Realm. Uh, they have like this weird uh, kind of like Art Deco looking yeah. design on them of what's behind it, of the pyramid. And then Evo Shandor is pictured there in the middle with his arms outstretched and like women on either side. Like him thinking like, oh, eventually when this happens, I'm going to become a god and I'll be, be worshipped yeah. by everybody. Yeah. Which uh, is funny because that doesn't really play into the Evo Shandor myth that we hear them talking about in the prison. Evo Shandor really wanted to start the cult of Gozer to end the world because humanity was too sick to survive. I mean, you could say it's like just a simple image, hieroglyphs of like, uh, when this happens, I'm going to be here and the door is going to open. You know, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. But um, it's interesting because uh, the there was an idea at first for... Um, 
Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens, yeah. who was going to be playing the part of Evo Shandor. Or right. it was going to be Gozer in the form of Evo Shandor. It was going to be, correct? yeah, Gozer coming down. You know, Gozer's a god. It can be whatever it wants. It chooses to be a woman in the in a scene coming up soon. But it one of their ideas was that it would come down as Evo Shandor. Yeah, now this was before Paul Rubens was Pee Wee Herman, before he was a, yeah. a name really at all. So that's interesting to think, like, where did they find this guy? And uh, he was going to be just dressed in like a slick business suit and everything. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I so, don't know if, it, if I, I can't, really can't see that working. Well, it worked in the video game when they did it because that is the form that happens at the very end. Evo Shandor does become a god and he actually is holding Gozer's skull. Do you remember that sequence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and he's voiced by uh, Brian Doyle Murray at That's that right. point. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, I do think that having Paul Rubens was big at the time. I think that would have been a shocker to audiences to see evo shandor come down as paul rubens but really be gozer you know but i could see him as like this 1920s guy with a little pencil thin mustache and everything yeah see okay and i can see that and i can see paul rubens rocking that look and that would have made sense um but he uh oh yeah yeah yeah. but um there's actually some storyboards out there of paul rubens and you know a guy clad in a suit and everything coming out and petting the terror dogs yeah and it probably would have been kind of like we see gozer in this movie you know like She's got the high hills that are kind of like built into her part of her being, you know, and yeah. she has the bubbles on her. It probably would have been kind of like that. Like the suit is part of him and not something that he's wearing. And, you know, uh, there was another idea. In fact, I think this was the initial idea for casting of Gozer was uh, Anna Carlisle, who was a model, actress, singer, punk singer, um, and uh, like writer back in the 80s. And she backed out. I think she said something about how it wouldn't be good for her career as like a punk singer. And I'm like, actually, this probably would have been perfect for it. Yeah. Newsflash. But, uh, nothing's bad for your career as a yeah. punk singer. Everybody right? sells out eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to Gozer uh, when Gozer finally makes yeah. its so appearance. So what do you think about uh, them moving to the spots where their terror dogs were before? Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. And I don't know that there's a whole lot to it. Yeah. But, uh, it's why, well, yes, those were there in a specific place because of the ritual that we see happening in a few minutes when they finally do open the, go- the, the door to Gozer's realm. So it's a, kind of a cool little visual cue. Like, there's no dialogue to tell you what's going on. You see Lewis's pants unbuttoned, so you figure, you know, the, um, the previous ritual has been completed, <laughs> and then they're moving on to, 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 to place for the next one. So, uh, yeah, right. it's, it's nice. That it's kind of, there's no dialogue going on. It's just actors acting, you know, like they're possessed and, you know, stage uh, movement and stuff like that that's kind of getting the point across. Yeah, and speaking more about this uh, set, if I'm not mistaken, at the time, this was the largest interior set ever made. And really? And had, like, all of Gozer's temple, the front uh, facade, and then a wraparound cityscape. So... Uh, with, I think, like blinking lights in and everything, and the mm-hmm. lighting, the sets, everything went up to like the very top of the sound stage. Uh, so it was just this mammoth stage. And, it, it looks uh, fantastic. Yeah, it I really think does. Christopher Stewart, when he was on, was praising how great it looks still. And when you see in the background, you see 55 Center Park West behind them, you see the buildings and everything, you completely buy oh, yeah. that it's real. Yeah. You don't question for a second that and it's not. I believe there's even like little blinking lights and things like yeah. that in there to sell it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, an amazing, amazing piece of production design all around. Um, so here's something I've always really liked. Uh, this movie does nothing to explain, unless I'm mistaken in a big way, the the pyramid, the fact that the pyramid is just on nothing and just kind of floating. Yeah. The hieroglyphics, um, the you know, Gozer's like appearance and everything like that is just sort of there. And the movie doesn't really go into like what it all is and why that right. is and everything, which I like. And again, it's one of those examples where it's like, you know what? Here's some Ghostbusters lore, some backstory. If you want to go investigate it, cool, go do it. But uh, 
I don't know. I've, I've always liked just the mystery and the, the lack of explanation for all of that. There's a lot of imagery going on in here that reminds me of Aleister Crowley, uh, the mm-hmm. occultist. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was he used a lot of pyramids and some of his stuff. The pyramid has been kind of an occult uh, symbol for a long time. The uh, you know supposed Illuminati use it. I think the Freemasons use it in a lot of their stuff. But Aleister Crowley uh, would have it with like an eye on it, and I think he would have a hat that kind of looked like a pyramid and stuff like that. And Evo Shandor in that bass relief does kind of have his his hands held out at the side in a yeah. gown that kind of reminds me of Aleister Crowley. And you know what? So, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Dan Aykroyd took some inspiration from Aleister Crowley. Oh, I'm sure he would. Yeah, he's kind of an Evo Shandorish type figure uh, to a degree. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you know, Egyptian mythology was a large part in all that uh, you know occult stuff that was happening around the spiritualism. <laughs> movement at the same time so and and it makes sense too that if you would have you know um prehistorical humans uh interacting with maybe some other race of beings okay i'm gonna go off the deep end here for a minute okay and i'm not i want to say something straight up this is not beliefs that i have by any stretch of the imagination but let's think about it for a second early humans at some point uh you know the ancient aliens theory that we were somehow given like knowledge from i don't know some people say there's a planet called with a filled with beings called the anunnaki that is like a 10th planet in our solar system that we don't know about Mm -hmm. uh I don't believe that at all, (laughs) but, uh, there's this idea that some of this early, uh, symbols that we use, all, all of that stuff could be our depictions of, uh, creatures or beings from other dimensions that we saw at that point. You know what you're describing? What? Stargate. I'm describing Stargate. I'm describing uh, Prometheus. I'm describing That's true. Uh, yeah, there's you know, other ancient aliens. That, yeah. I, yeah. But there's actually a movie called ancient aliens. And I, I think you really, that, that stuff is interesting. With the amount of time that the Earth has been here and other civilizations could exist in our solar system or across other dimensions, it's probable, given the number of things out there, that somebody could have come by the Earth at some point. But given this small amount of time that human beings have actually lived here on Earth, the place there's nobody home whenever they got here before, you know. And I think that um, looking at stuff from like an anthropological aspect, you really kind of um, undercut the uh, brilliance of a lot of those civilizations too by saying like, oh, there's no way that pyramids could have oh, been built yeah, by simple yeah, human ingenuity. They would have had to have an a- it is yeah. kind of it really is, and there actually is a lot of racism that plays into mm-hmm. it. And yeah, really. absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, but if if for example there were some sort of transdimensional beings, it's possible that they would have come into contact with humans about the time that we kind of came into our own and started learning how to build things and uh, you know like uh, grow crops and things like that. Maybe they're the ones that gave us the information to do that. So it would make sense that Gozer in this other dimension would have all of this Egyptian imagery that she could have brought across into our dimension when she came back. And this is so to the cool. Sumerians, the Hittites, and all that stuff that you're talking about that because you get these movies like Stargate and Prometheus, and they kind of play on that possibility. Ghostbusters is doing that in such a more detailed yes. and interesting way. It, it, does, it doesn't tell it to you at all. It it's, doesn't tell it to you at all. And unless you're watching it in a 4K version on a big screen, yeah. you don't even catch that there's hieroglyphs in that pyramid behind yeah, it. Yeah, which I applaud the uh, the filmmakers for yeah. and the production designers. And who knows, man, it might not mean anything at all. They might have just said, hey, this is cool looking, let's throw it up there, but it yeah. doesn't matter. Well, it makes sense too. You have a pyramid uh, why not have hieroglyphs? You it, know? it doesn't matter. And it just goes to sh- it, it goes to add to the whole thing about like how Ghostbusters is such a big universe. There's so much more going on to it, and we are focusing just on this little team of guys who are right. you know, zapping the ghost and everything like that. Yeah. But, you know, who knows how mammoth Dan Aykroyd really wanted this whole thing to be, or if it's just another case of him saying, like, here's a bunch of stuff, you put it together. Yeah. But we're going to take, of all of this story, of all of this universe, we're just going to go follow these four guys right here. So that also kind of plays into the idea that uh, Ivan Reitman and Ghost Corps have sort of alluded to the fact that there's like other dimensions in the, within the Ghostbusters universe. Yeah. And I mean, based on the fact that all of that might be true, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they follow through with that idea yeah. and, and go with that. So 
I don't know, man. I mean, I'm such a purist that I don't know if I would want to see that kind of stuff, but that's very ignorant of me to think that. Well, you know, it's, well, I don't think it's ignorant, but uh, I think at some point you have to go into those deeper levels if you're going to continue on a franchise. And it looks like, you know, at some point Sony, I don't know what their feelings are in Ghostbusters right now, but at some point Ghost Corpse was designed to continue on the Ghostbusters franchise, right? So at some point they're going to have to get past just four dudes or four ladies or whatever busting ghosts, and they're going to have to get into those deeper levels. If they want to stick to it all as in, you know, one singular thing and keep going with it for the sake of this telling the story or making more money on it, whatever, this is, uh, it's... It's right there in front of them. You and I were talking earlier because some details spilled out today about Alien Covenant from an interview That's that right. Michael Fassbender did. And without getting into too much of spoilers, uh, it does sound like it is a continuation of the Prometheus storyline, but it's also kind of meeting up with the main Alien storyline in a way that continues both of those on, which I think is pretty cool. But you were thinking it was uh, kind of disingenuous of a way to kind of slap Prometheus in the face that they couldn't mm. just stay the course on that? Or? Yes yes and no. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that, and this is coming from someone who really didn't like Prometheus, um, uh, I'm, I'm glad that they're not just writing it off because it had such a backlash. Right. And I'm, I don't want them to be going with this whole alien aesthetic and just going kind of back to alien because that's what the fans are calling for. Um, again, as someone who didn't really like Prometheus, I think that that is kind of a slap in the face of Prometheus. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, you could ask me that question 10 minutes from now and I'd probably say the exact opposite. Well, it'd probably be nice to ask you maybe seven months from now after we see the movie because it could be that they <sighs> that mix those true. two things very well. But I, I, I kind of see what you're saying. And, um, and just, I don't know, man, it's sky's the limit with, with fantastical movies like this, like alien or ghostbusters and, and things that like are kind of still based in the real world, mm-hmm. but still have these uh, fantasy elements and these massive universes behind it that can be explored. Now, you know who I'd really like to get to hear uh, the opinion of on the whole alien covenant and Prometheus thing is John Ingle and Mitch yeah. Bryan, the guys over at alien minute podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, well, we know now that they're doing aliens minute it sounds like it's coming along the line down in March. So yeah. they'll probably have some, uh, some stuff to say about that. I think at they're, that point. they're so. gearing up for that and I couldn't be more excited. So we've kind of taken a tangent here, but it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, so minute number it's 82 Ghostbusters of Ghostbusters, related. do you, you have any, uh, any, anything else to say about this minute? Let me take a look at my notes. Sure. I just want to say real quick that the, I think the, the stair gag is hilarious that yeah. them going running into the building like heroes and then immediately being stopped because they're all 40 year old men <laughs> and panting yeah, and everything. See, that's just classic Ghostbusters. Yeah. A couple weeks ago or about a month ago you and i were in pittsburgh and we we're visiting our brother in the hospital who had just mm-hmm. gone through his uh his second double lung transplant and everything was successful but the elevators were down and you remember we had to go from the bottom floor oh, God, up to yes. the sixth floor the same way that the ghostbusters did here and it was no joke you and i are not in bad shape you know i mean like i walk a lot and i know you're in really good shape uh but those six floors trying to get back yeah. up there to see him, I was done for God. by the time we got to his room. Seriously. And it's not a good idea when someone's just had a lung transplant and you're walking into the room and going like, <gasps> and heavily yeah. panting. I do have a couple more notes. Yeah, um, go for it. Whenever the Ghostbusters get up and walk into Dana's apartment, uh, the shot, the setup is the exact same thing when Peter first goes into the apartment uh, the first time to investigate it all. Yeah. And what's right there next to him is the only identifiable piece of, uh, of proper set piece, which is the piano. Yeah. Now that's going to be in our, in our next minute when they do that. Really? But yeah, but I, uh, yeah, but okay. this, this one ends when Ray steps off the stairs and says, is this it? And then immediately Peter okay. says, this is it. But yes, yeah. I will agree with you. I noticed that too. The piano was there in a completely different form this time. Yeah. So. It's a cool moment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, with all that said, I, I don't have anything else. Yeah, me neither. But uh, we'll talk about that piano a little bit more in minute number 83. Yeah. So, or two more. Did I say two more? Not two more. It's, not, it's not a two more. It's uh, tomorrow. So, <laughs> Listeners, just chime back in. Check back in with us later and we'll figure it out. 
But anyway, all right, I'm out. All right. I, I mean, let's get out. <laughs> okay. All right, folks. Well, I'm Kyle. <laughs> I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License. Thank you.